Tonight, Michael Brown joins me here. This is the former FEMA director. Talk show host, Michael Brown. Brownie, now. Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. The Situation with Michael Brown. You're a political expert. On 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. morning michael brown it's uh your local uh loveland city worker here and um when we're told to call the non-emergency police to get a homeless encampment moved along sorry about that that's my fault let me get the right one playing hang on one second <laughs> buttons I hold what's on. Going on i'm a producer and a radio professional let's yes. try the real one hang well, on you, you fit in with this program shut up michael you can get a 10 pack of California roll at King Supers for six bucks. Yo! You're listening to the situation with Michael Brown on 630 KHOW. Since we squirrels are such an integral part of the program, we decided to do our own rules of engagement. If you would like to summon a squirrel, text the word Mike to 33103, followed by your squirrel bait. The best squirrel bait is something that is totally nuts. If you download the iHeartMedia app and mark the situation with Michael Brown and the weekend with Michael Brown as your favorites, you can summon squirrels from all over the world. If you would like to see Michael and Dragon chase one of us squirrels down the hall to the men's room and back like a Chinese fire drill, hit the red microphone button and leave a talk back. And last but not least, you should do what our favorite squirrel in Virginia says and go to... Michael says gohere.com Thank you, sweetie. There, you can see all the squirrels that Dragon posts, as well as the squirrels on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also buy some of Michael's merch. Oh, and Michael, I expect to see Dominic put some squirrel swag on there real soon, or we're coming down to the studio and chew on your microphone cable. New York Times. You know, I, I, I subscribe to the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street, but... I would subscribe to the Wall Street Journal regardless. But I subscribe to the New York Times and the Washington Post and the LA Times just for you guys, just for the goobers. Well, there was a story yesterday that, well, I caught my eye. Starts out this way. Colorado's defining features. Now, what do you think the defining features of this state are? I think about, first, obviously the mountains. I think the mountains are the defining feature of Colorado. The Continental Divide is an amazing uh, geological formation. And, you know, I just looked at them taking the break at the the top of the hour. They're gorgeous this morning. Absolutely gorgeous. A little little cloud cover and the sun shining down on the snow peak caps. It's wonderful. So I think first and foremost it would be the mountains. Now, from there, you you start... uh, uh, if you're making a list of the top 10, there will be a lot of different opinions about what e- the other defining features of Colorado are. The the ski slopes, the Great Eastern Plains, uh, the San Luis Valley. You cannot tell where my mind goes. Uh, let's see. Um, then it would be, I think, um, let's see. So the mountains, the Eastern Plains. Well, San Luis Valley. Denver, you think the cash register building, the, well, that iconic but, but image would, right there. I, I would say that Denver itself is a defining feature. Right, yeah. So yeah. then you have, the, you have Denver. And within Denver, you would have, like the cash register building, 
You'd have Coors Field. I think Denver International Airport is a defining feature of this state now. God rest its soul. It'll never be finished. It'll be under constant construction. And then I think, um, what would you do next? A Coors Field? Well, of course, the Denver Broncos. Uh, Well, I would say the, well, you know what? We can say the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, right now, temporarily, the Denver Nuggets might be a defining feature of Colorado. Two games to one right now. Yeah, you know, two more games, it's over, baby. It's over. And I did watch, you know, I actually watched part of the game last night. And they're really good. They're really good. I was I was fascinated by it. Really good. Ba- I haven't watched professional basketball in ages. That was a re- really good game. So right, right now we put the Denver Nuggets in there. Obviously Denver Broncos, but... And poor old Colorado Rockies and the well maybe the Avalanche, but the poor old Rockies I don't think are a defining feature of Colorado. God rest their souls because I love professional baseball. MLB I love baseball. What else would you include? I think that's about it, right? The New York Times, Colorado's defining features include. Now they said first glorious mountain peaks, vivid seasonal colors, skiing and a widespread compulsion to exercise and eat well. Huh. I'm not sure I would put a, a compulsion to exercise or, or a compulsion to eat well. I, I know we're an outdoor state, and we do a lot of you know hiking and walking and skiing and all that sort of stuff. And we have, I think, for, uh, um, I forget what we are in population. We're not. In the top 20. Yeah, if you're in, I was going to say, but Colorado may, might be in the top, or Denver. Well, anyway, whatever, yeah. wherever we are on that list. Um, we are a, um interesting place to live. New York Times continues. But for generations of Colorado children, arguably the most commonly shared experience involved Casa Bonita, a vast, filthy, poorly lit, underground restaurant with food that many diners deem barely edible. Casa Bonita, then sprawling over 52,000 square feet in Lakewood, a Denver suburb, a, well, at least in that particular area of, of Lakewood, a, 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 you know, a crap hole place, served steamed refried beans, tacos and enchiladas to thousands of people a day, buffet style. The, di- the dinner entertainment was a child's fever dream, waterfalls, Cliff Divers, Black Bart's Cave, Full Gold and Silver Mines, Puppet Shows, and a person in a gorilla costume chased by a sheriff who's sometimes joining the cliff diving. Casa Benita's curious childhood grip, grip was chronicled in an episode of South Park. But we all know that. Trey Parker, Matt Stones, the show's creators, were regularly asked whether such a place actually existed. Oh, that's a place. It's crazy. It's weird. Uh... Trey actually held his birthday parties there, something I didn't know. We all know Casa Bonita went bankrupt back in 2020. It fell in even further disrepair, crumbling from deferred maintenance, electrical hazards, ventilation system coated with grease. You're walking into a place, I just turn around and walk out. You walk in, you look up. Do you do this in the restaurants? I actually do this. When I walk into particularly a new restaurant, I survey the entire, whatever I can see. I, I look at the floor. I look at the tables. I look behind the counters. I, if I can see in the kitchen, I look in the kitchen. And I look at the ceiling. Ceilings really bug me. I'm sorry, but they do. 
If the ceiling isn't clean, if there's a bunch of grease and stuff up there, ugh, it's time to turn around and go somewhere else. Unless, of course, you know it's a dive, you know it sucks, and that's what you want. I was thinking about, when I read this story, thinking about going into restaurants. You ever been to Mr. Mustard's? Now, you ever been there, Dragon? I'm not a mustard fan, so I wouldn't go to a place that's called Mr. Mustard. Well, it's a hot dog and corn dog place. Huh. Uh, there's one in Boulder, huh. and there's one up on University. Really huh. good, I mean, really good corn dogs. <laughs> I do enjoy a good corn dog. And, and really then good... a corn dog is the only thing I will eat mustard with. Well, see, the, the, that saves you from being a pervert. Just the fact you'll do mustard on a, on a corn dog. Um, it's a really kind of dirty dive. Both places but really good brats and stuff. So to see, there are exceptions. But here's what fascinates me about the New York Times story. Do you know how much those two yahoos are spending on that location? Upward of $40 million to tear it down, rebuild it, and to keep everything the same, except now sanitary. He said in the interview, it doesn't stink like uh, Stone did. It doesn't stink like chlorine anymore. We could have rebuilt this twice twice as big for half as much money, but we spent so much restoring it like a piece of art. In the story, they it took them 27 attempts to match the pink perfectly. 27 times. Hey, guys, bring in a bucket of paint over here. Okay, swash some on there. Mm, that's not it. Well, let's try it again. And again, 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 and again. 27 times to get the pink right. Now, how much do you think that cost? It's amazing to me. The original cost of renovations was, see, this is like a government project. The original cost of the renovations were projected at $10 million. When the figure reached $20 million, business advisors encouraged Trey and Matt to pack it in. These days, Matt said, the investment was closer to infinity dollars. He says it would be cheaper if we just went hang gliding over volcanoes. But they kept good doing it. They absolutely kept doing it. Uh, the old cliff diving pool were actual physical hazards. It turned out that divers, once they leaped into the pool, could only exit through a 30-inch wide underwater tunnel brimming with pipes. Then they emerged from the water into an electrical room. Now, I have to admit, I never knew that. Mr. Shoemaker, one of their advisors, said there were, or construction people, said there were 20 amps of power directly to the left. When I saw it, I called Matt, and I told him, quote, this is the most dangerous room I've ever seen. They renovated the pool, 14 feet deep, resembles the old one, but gives the divers with a wider, wider relocated exit. Well, no feces, Sherlock. Really? Four new bars, a new indoor ticketing plaza, meant to recall the street in Oxica adds 4,000 square feet, intended to reduce waiting time before sitting down and eating. Uh, let's see. The original black <laughs> the original black Bart character, remember that guy? Was a 
quote, was a cross between a weird pirate and a bank robber and Casa Bonita, and who goes by the nickname Crispy. He was an amalgam, 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 thank you, I can't get it right, of 16 different comical bad guys. The new Black Bart was based on the actual character who robbed stagecoaches. Wow. We're up to $40 million in fixing that place. Some of the pictures of the old place, what were you doing there? Do you remember the interview we did on the CEO spotlight of Dana Rodriguez? Goes by the nickname Loca. Remember, Crazy Loca was in here? She was a wildcat. I absolutely fell in love with this woman. And, of course, she's, she's famous for her tequila and mezcals. So I went searching for the tequilas. Mezcal, I, you know, it's, it's okay. I, I, I kind of like it, but tequila is my favorite. I went to one big liquor store, didn't have it. I actually went to another big liquor store, didn't have it. So then I finally just started calling around. Finally found a place over on Colfax. I forget the name of the place. It's over on East Colfax somewhere. It's one of the, it's one of the chains. They had it. They had one bottle left. Save it. I'll be there in 20 minutes. One of my last trips to Denver. She's, she's a Michelin chef. She's been hired. There are only eight items on the menu. Now, all this may be no old news to you guys, uh, but it's new news to me because I don't follow this. Mrs. Rodriguez, Dana, loco, immigrated from Chihuahua. Remember talking to her about this in 1998? She applied for her first job at Casa Bonita and was turned down because she was being she, as being underqualified. Now, she went on to establish her own restaurants. So, when she heard about they might reopen for new ownership, she applied for the top job. Now, am I qualified, she said, she asked. They will have 110 kitchen staff. It cook everything from scratch. Modern stainless steel kitchen built to produce huge quantities. 198 gallons of mole sauce will be being made for the chicken every single night. Enchiladas with Christmas red and green sauce. Grilly chili braised chicken. Chili rianos with vegan and vegetarian options. Well, thank goodness for that. Served with refried beans, not from a can, and rice, and of course, the soap of peas and honey. Now, my question is this. 40 plus million dollars. What the hell is the return on investment? What is the ROI? Because you have, now think about this. Now, I don't know whether they paid cash. I don't, I don't know what they did. And there's, no, there's nothing in, in the story to say that. They made, you know, maybe they got $40 million in cash somewhere and, or cash and investments, and they just, you know, took it out and turned it over to uh, the construction people, the design people, uh, Dana, the you know the cooks, the chefs, all of those, and said, "Okay, here's forty million dollars." Well, actually, they started out at ten million dollars and went to twenty million dollars, and the and the advisor said, "Hey, stop!" And they said, "Nope, we're going to keep going." How do you recoup forty million dollars selling eight items on a menu? What's the turnover rate? How fast do they have to get people in and out of there? 
How long, I mean, you know, you can't go over to somebody and say, hey, you've been here 30 minutes, it's time for you to leave. You can't do that. So you've got to calculate the average time that the average table will take. And how many times will it be tables of eight versus tables of four, tables of two? If I just want to go and sit in the bar, can you have one person go in and sit at the bar? Wow, that cost has to be astronomical. The return on investment has to be really, really long-term. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I don't know. But somebody calculate it for me. How many freaking enchiladas do you have to sell? How many soap peas do you have to give away? That cost embedded into the cost of the meal. What are the cost of the drinks? How many drinks do you have to sell to make the table profitable? Then you have all of the people that are going to work there. All of the servers, all of the busboys, all of the people that are cleaning dishes, washing the dishes. All of those people cost money. Then you have the utilities. I don't know what the hours are going to be. I don't know whether it'll be open for lunch. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I haven't looked at All I've done is read this New York Times story. And all I could think about was $40 million. How many enchiladas? How many tacos? How many refried beans do you have to sell to recoup $40 million? Are you going to go? Are you going to stand in line? It's all a lottery right now, apparently. A lottery to get in. So my question is this. Hey, Trey, Matt, um, now that I've made fun of the place, Matt, now that I've done all of this, um, can I get a table for four? We'd like to go. We'd yeah. like to go. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, now that you've raised our curiosity, you've piqued our curiosity, we want to go. Um, coming up next, my God, the smoke in New York is awful. It's, I feel so sorry for those people. Not. Michael and Dragon on Chad Bauer's news report we just heard at the top of the hour. Governor Polis said that Casa Bonita is a, now a franchise, which explains why it was $40 million to do the renovation. So apparently the governor has given them a franchise. Hmm, I, I'd have to hear that. I don't know what that's... I don't know what that means. Yeah, and I'm I'm no moron, but I was pretty sure governors don't issue franchises. As well as Casabinita already was a franchise, and this one, our location here in Denver, is the last one. Was the last one, and then that went into bankruptcy. I think Chapter Seven. Uh, so they must have bought it out of bankruptcy, and then paid for everything else. But I'll, we'll get back to Casabinita in a minute because there's some great text messages. And yeah, Mustard's last stand, not Mister Mustard. And then somebody mentioned Colonel Mustard. I don't know what Colonel, Colonel Mustard is. So I don't know. So I'm, 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 I get done yesterday and I'm, I, I, I go home and, you know, my back's kind of hurting. Painkillers kind of kicking in. And, and so I start flipping through the cable channels. And oh my gosh, you would think that it was freaking Armageddon in New York City. Fox News, now I'm telling you, the rest of the cable channels were just as bad. But Fox, Fox News, and they all did this, but Fox News was over the top. I mean, literally over the top. Every single show, topic A was, now think about this. This is a, this is a national cable channel. They have, they have listeners and they have viewers all over the country. 
their demographic skewers older, but it's, it's older people all over the country watching Fox News, including this old fart. Every show, because now I'm fascinated, because now I'm like, okay, I've got to get down here at the top of every hour and watch every program. And every program started out with how bad the smoke was, including reporters on the street with masks about, oh my God, it's the end of the civilization. It was so freaking over the top that it it dragged me in. It caught my ear. It caught my eyes because it was it was like watching some sort of massive car pileup or the white Bronco going down the freeways in L.A. You couldn't turn your eyes away from it. So then I got to thinking, but wait a minute. What I know that New York is the center of the universe, and that if you live and work in New York, you're the center of the universe, and that's that is totally the only viewpoint that you have. And it reminded me of the New Yorker magazine. In 1976, the cover of the New Yorker magazine was a view from 9th Avenue in Manhattan looking westward. And once you got across, it had all, you know, all skyscrapers and you had, you, had, um, you know, the Greenwich Village and everything else on the cover. And then you look down across, you look across 9th Avenue West and you get across the Hudson River and it's bare just bear out to the Pacific Ocean. That's precisely how New Yorkers think. So I I was just wondering, how bad was it here in Colorado when we had the same Canadian wildflower, wildflowers, wildfires spewing that smoke all over us? Drag and I were talking about that during the break. Remember that? We were all, Drag and I were bitching about our, our scratchy eyes, our itchy eyes, our running noses. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. Do you think New York cared? No. Do you think Fox News covered it? No. I mean, Fox local affiliate covered it, the Fox affiliate. Do you think Fox News Channel covered it, Fox Business? No, of course not. MSNBC, CNN? No, of course not. CBS 4. Colorado right now. It is stuck around all day long. Our city camera never really got a clean shot of the Denver skyline today because that smoke was just too thick. All this smoke actually coming from all the way up in Canada. Nearly 100 wildfires are burning in Alberta right now. Smoke has been plaguing northern states for weeks and now it is here in Colorado. Our Dylan Thomas has spent the day talking to experts about air quality in northern Colorado. Oh. Dylan, the air quality in Colorado hmm. was second worst in the world at one point today. Oh, second worst in the world. You know, Michael, we should be clear. While some of what we saw today was some overcast due to storms moving through the area, a lot of it, like what you're seeing right behind me, is actually due to haze from smoke coming all the way down from our friends to the north in Alberta, Canada. Atmospheric science experts say with CSU that they relatively, it's relatively rare to see this type of thing happen where it's coming from the north as oftentimes we usually see this haze coming from our west. It seems like we're in a fog right now. But most of what Coloradans saw throughout the day or couldn't see was due to smoke from fires in Canada. When smoke comes from a long distance fire we're much less likely to be aware that it's smoke. Colorado State's Professor of Atmospheric Sciences, Jeff Pierce, says the smell of fires is lost after about two days of traveling, but it can still be seen. But it's actually much smaller particles that can penetrate into your lungs. Meaning this haze is still dangerous for many to be around. Eye irritation, runny nose, a cough, those types of things, it's best to stay indoors. Yes, it is relatively rare to have haze like this come from fires to our north. We sometimes get it from the same direction from Montana. 
um, kind of coming down just along the Rockies. But overall, when we see hazy days due to fires, it typically comes from our west. Yes, in recent years, we've mostly been getting them from our own local fires from California or the Pacific Northwest. You know, it's pretty crazy to think that the Rocky Mountains, normally you can see them perfectly right here behind me, but not today. We are in an unhealthy zone, meaning those who do have symptoms and who have things like asthma should be staying indoors during days like today. Those with CSU tell us that they believe the winds will shift and we should have clearer skies by Sunday. Reporting live in Northern Colorado, Dylan Thomas covering Colorado first. I think CBS Colorado, <laughs> May 19, 2023. By Joel Hillen, our buddy Joel Hillen. Yep. Denver among the worst air quality in the world after smoke from Canadian wildfires moves into the front range. So, so we suffered from the same thing that New Yorkers are suffering from right now. But nobody cared. Nobody cared. This is such a great lesson in how the cabal works. It's all about them. It's all about their ideology. It's all about what they believe. And it's all about them or because they're all congregants of the Church of Climate Activists. Goobers, I give you Joy Reid from MSNBC this morning. If you woke up this morning and your lungs were burning, you had a hard time breathing, or you looked up in the sky and felt as though you were in an apocalyptic doomsday movie, you were not alone. See, I told you, they think it's, an, it's Armageddon. Oh, she's so excited about this. She can't, she can't wait to tell you about, well, she's, she ties it to something. Because remember, she's on the front row pew of the Church of Climate Activists. Right now, more than 400 wildfires are burning across Canada, which is experiencing its worst wildfire season in history. And that smoke is billowing its... Hmm. Worst wildfire season in history? How far back does history go? Oh. Pretty far back. Well, last week. Maybe, oh. maybe last month. Way all the across the United States. Today, around 98 million people across 18 states, from New Hampshire all the way to South Carolina, were under air quality alerts, including New York City, which earlier today had the worst air quality in the world. Oh, there's so much. See, damn it. We were second worst in the world. So close. So close. Come on, Colorado. We can do better than this. The air is so bad. Officials in the affected areas are urging people to stay inside, not partake in any outdoor activity, and start wearing N95 masks again. Oh, wait a minute. They're sending New Yorkers inside wearing masks. Yes. You see, we learned. I, I, I take back everything I said about the lockdowns. I take back everything I said about masks. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Particulates from smoke. I wonder which is larger. The SARS-CoV-2 little bitty tiny, 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 tiny little virus? Or particulates in the air from a Canadian wildfire? These kinds of weather phenomena are happening all around the globe. And it's only becoming more and more common all because of climate change. Ah! Bingo! We got it, Dragon. We got it. See, it's time to stand up. We're going to start singing and clapping our hands. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the church of the climate crisis. Holy cow. Man, praise God. Isn't this wonderful? And even as we barrel towards a climate catastrophe. Oh, we're barreling toward it. Many world leaders are still wary of any substantial climate action because of their unrelenting dependence 
on oil. See, you goobers out there driving your internal combustion engines. Yeah. Or, you know, you're going to air condition your home with electricity from natural gas. You know, whatever you're doing right now. Or whatever you're enjoying. I really want to see her little flow chart from oil to Canadian fire, 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 wildfire smoke in New York. I I want to see that pin. Do you know why you're asking that question? I really do. Because you are an atheist. You're an atheist. You can't join the Church of Climate Act. No, because you asked the wrong question. I mean, what kind of Gumby style? You gotta have faith. Yeah, what kind of Gumby style yoga was she doing in order to make that connection? (laughs) Well, we'll get to that in a minute. And among the world's top oil suppliers is Canada, as well as the U.S. See, because Canada is one of the world's greatest oil suppliers, this is why Joy Reid, sitting in a studio in New York City, is we're barreling toward the climate crisis. Look, when I think you know oil producers, that's that's my first like Canada. Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I think. You Not think that pesky Middle East Saudi, that everybody talks about. Right. Yeah. Saudi, Iranians, or Russia. Right. No, it's just just Canadians. Yeah. 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 And of course there's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> we made it. I knew had you listened to this? No. <laughs> Their massive oil supply has made them one of the richest nations in the world. The Saudis are so rich off oil, they're actually buying up parts of the U.S., buildings, businesses, and now apparently golf. As the PGA just announced their merger with Saudi Arabia. Man, how she ties all this stuff together, I don't know. I'm a little impressed, though, because that's kind of our job is to to tie stories together (laughs) and whatnot. But she's the chef's kiss right right. there. She's the queen queen of tying everything together here. It's got Canadians, the Saudis, golf, buying up the land and buildings. I mean, but, but, but don't don't mention China. Don't mention them. Arabia's Live Golf franchise. All of this despite the fact that their government played a role in funding the September 11 terrorist attacks, as well as... <laughs> One more connection! <laughs> we got to bring up 9-11! Holy cow, this is one of the best clips ever. Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi and hacking up his body with a bone saw. These are the people who we are eating off, who are eating off our addition to our addiction to oil. And as long as we stay addicted, they will not only get richer and gobble up more and more of our industries and our culture, we will suffer the consequences as the planet we live on and that our children and grandchildren will inherit becomes even more dangerous to live in. Do you think it'd be a priority to keep breathing? You know, I got to say something about her. I said she was on the front row, the front pew. For the Church of Climate activists? No, I was wrong. She's preaching today. She's in the pulpit, and she's preaching. Hallelujah. Now, huh, Canadian wildfires caused by the oil and gas industry. Keep that in your little pee-picking brains right now, because when we get back, hmm, let's check the book of knowledge. I'll be right back. Oh my God, Canada's on fire. And guess what? The East Coast finally knows what it's like to live in the pathway of fires. Oh, they don't worry about us when we're covered in smoke. Jeez, those hypocrites. Oh, quit your bitching. Come on, get with it. We are west of the Hudson River. We don't count. We don't care. So it prompted me 
I got a little curious because, you know, um, all of this is tied to fossil fuels. It's all tied to, you know, the climate crisis. And if we don't do something now, we're all going to burn up. According to Wikipedia, which I don't normally use, but the book of knowledge says this. The 1825D, or Great Miramachi Fire, or the Great Fire of Miramachi, as it became known, was a massive forest fire complex that devastated forests and communities throughout much of northern Brunswick in October of 1825. 1825. It ranks among the three largest forest fires ever recorded in North America. So if you want to look at the top three forest fires ever in North America, you have to include the 1825 fire. Now, by my calculations, the internal combustion engine and the Model Ts weren't around in 1825. Hmm. And here's how it's described about its history. About one-third of the homes in Fredericton were destroyed. But the main devastation was 100 miles to the northeast, commencing from Balcarique, or whatever you pronounce that French word. The preceding summer was a particularly hot one. Oh, the preceding summer was a particularly hot one. So in 1824, it was really hot, with bushfires being very common. On the evening of October 7, 1825, the firestorm roared through Newcastle, New Brunswick, now part of the city of Mariamachi and in less than three hours, reduced the town of 1,000 people to ruins. Of 260 original buildings, only 12 remain. Now, let's stop right there for a moment. And let's just consider this idea. Let's do a little thought process here. In 1825, this fire burned through a town of 1,000 people. There were 260 buildings. Only 12 remained. Now, let's fast forward to 2023. Now, I didn't check because I don't care. But anywhere, almost anywhere, Newcastle, New Brunswick, I don't know what the current population is, but I bet it's more than it was in 1825. New York City, 1825 versus 2023, I think the population is greater. So if, just if, a similar wildfire was to spread through New Brunswick or I don't know, start hitting Albany and coming down to New York City? Mm, might be pretty bad. Well, I suppose when it hits, unless it burns up Central Park, when it hits, uh, you know, Manhattan, probably burn out because there's all this concrete. So it might be fine there. I don't know. I don't know how it would work. The total fires consumed 3.95 million acres. The blaze has been partly attributed to unusually hot weather in the summer and the fall of 1825 and coupled with outdoor fires set by settlers and loggers. Oh, man-made fires. Oh, imagine that. 1825. Fast forward to 2023, it's Armageddon. Absolutely Armageddon. And it's Armageddon because of climate crisis, climate change. They'll never give up. They'll never stop. They'll tie it no matter what history tells us. That, hey... Climate does change. Forest fires happen. Wildfires happen. Imagine that. 
The communities were soon rebuilt. Huh, they were. Wow. Never ceased to amaze me. I've done a compilation. Yep, a compilation. The federal government is actually trying to control just about everything in our lives. Let's list those out. (laughs) A little compilation of government control over your life next. 